When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. To within three is Western Kentucky, but Davis hits another three. Nelly Davis back-to-back triples. Florida four, 38 Florida Atlantic. 14 and a half minutes left. Here comes the double team. Edie passes out of it to Jenkins. Three on the way for David. In and out and in again. David Jenkins with his third triple of the game. Armstrong looks for the inbounds. Baseline left of the basket. Has nobody to go to. Gets into the corner. Daniels just throws it up off the rim. Rebound taken by Dixon at the buzzer. He won't get it. Providence wins the game. Hey, back with you, Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benny, and I'm Andrew Rogers. And happy birthday, Matt Rule. It's Matt Rule's birthday, the big boss over at Nebraska. Is he the big boss? Kind of. I did say boss. He said I'm old. Get out of here. Matt Rule, happy birthday. He's younger than me. What's he, like 38? I think he's 46. I feel like I, I guess penguin? 38 because all of his coaches are about the same age, too. Um, uh, before we move forward with Aaron Torres, uh, we are looking to get him on the line right now. I want to take a moment to tell you about Dingman's Dingman's 47. Collision Center. What's that? 47. 47. Oh, that's his age. No, they've been in business for 25 years, DB. 25. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I meant 72 minus 47. Oh, why are we doing math? Because it's 25. Okay. <laughs> I think. i got to ask Jamie. He's my math uh, Let's get consultant. back to Dingman's here for a moment. They are family-owned, family-run local business here to work on your car and treat you, the customer, uh, like royalty. And not only that, they treat other charitable organizations in town like royalty, too. They have a give-back program where you literally get to choose who you want to donate to after you take after you take your car to Dingman's? It's a fantastic um, it's it's a fantastic way to stay involved with charitable organizations, but also for you to feel like you're doing something as well by taking your car to Dingman's. It's kind of a it, it, it's a great formula for success. Ding. They work for all makes and work on all makes and models from Ford to Tesla's four locations throughout the metro area along with that standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. If you need help, go to Dingman's, dingmans.com. Let's get to Aaron Torres now. He's on line 1. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? AT, what's up, buddy? Not much. How we doing? I'm good. I gotta ask, man, because I listen. I follow you on IG religiously. When are we bringing back hoodie at? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> the I you know I did the uh, picks for years, and the picks got cold, and so first I went hoodless at, and um, you know, listen, I, 
I um I, I could guys I'm uh, hold on I I can barely hear myself or it, yeah, I'm I'm hearing a crazy is there, is, is uh, pushback like when I I call maybe Shane, can maybe you guys can call me back echo? I'm sorry to do this live on air yeah that's maybe right you guys can call me back a- yep at we'll give you a call right back Shane see if we can see if we can grab him again he he's now he's working with Bet Fred too he's fantastic on Instagram and I only follow like I don't know twelve people. Uh, it, but he's one of them. I need to on get, Instagram. I need. I don't. You do, have an Instagram? Yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't do IG. I don't do it at all. So how do you follow him? You <laughs> made an account and you follow twelve people. So like, I made an account like when my kids were under eight. That's how old it is. Really? Yeah. That's I don't. I don't. I, I don't use. I don't use IG at all. Not even remotely. Is it really that old? I don't know. Like, what do I look like? Social media you maven? Said, you said under eight. <laughs> it's more you yours, put a, John. You put a label. It's 2010, 12 years old. Is that yeah. under eight? Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Caleb would have been five. That's right. Unbelievable. Yeah, he was not eight. Because he was 2005. That was his yeah. birth year. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Man. What? I feel old, and I'm. And I'm much younger than everybody I, I, else in this room. I am, and I'm kind of offended because Coach Rule said he feels old. He's one year younger than me. I'm old. Well, you feel old. That doesn't mean he can't feel old. It's all relative. <laughs> that probably wouldn't work. In a- so if you say you feel old yeah. and Matt Rule says he feels old, why can't you both just feel old? That's a good point. That's oh, good. I know. It's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> just ask you. We, we can't. We can't. It's still too much feedback, Shano. We got oh, him. Aaron's back. Let's hear him. Aaron, welcome back, man. Sorry about that, fellas. I, uh, I, the, 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 there was a bad like background noise, so I apologize for doing that live on air. Oh, you're good. Uh, I hope everybody's well. And to answer your question, when the picks get cold, you change up everything. Uh, and so the hood went hoodless, and then I went to no hood at all. Uh, and I'm still trying to get back on track. I, I you know, I, I had a. Really good year a few years ago, and, uh, you know, picks have been a little cold. But we'll see. We'll see, Andrew. We'll see. Hey, so it's interesting, though, A.T., because it's so topsy-turvy. Like, we just saw last night, like, Texas Tech erases a 21-point deficit. Baylor finishes darn near right at the number. I think that was like four and a half. How much of it has to do with the fact that Vegas is better, too? Like, Texas Tech was favored last night. I know. Right? No, it's 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 crazy, and you know what I would say too is I, I think because there's so much parity, like from a gambling perspective, I think because there's so much parity, um, you know, I don't ever remember for 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 gamblers out there, I don't ever remember numbers moving the way that they have because I think Vegas is like mispegging them. Like there was, you know, the Big Twelve SEC Challenge was this weekend, and there were a few really good games, and I mean, just as an example, right. Kansas opens as a one-point favorite against Kentucky. It's bet all the way to Kentucky minus two and a half, and then by by tip-off, it's about uh, it's about a pick 'em. You know, uh, Texas open or excuse me, Tennessee open as a seven and a half point favorite. It was bet down to about five by the time of tip-off on on Saturday night. So I think what we're seeing, and, and listen, guys, I, you know, anyone who's followed me has heard me say this, but I think you know most year 
years when people say that the sport is wide open, I think that the narrative is, is largely not true. I think that for the most part, most years, you can probably whittle it down to about four to six teams that can realistically win it every single year. This year, though, guys, it is, it is legitimately wide open where even the teams like Purdue, like Alabama, like Houston, I think have pretty big flaws. Uh, it's going to make for a great NCAA tournament, but in terms of trying to like you know figure these teams out on a game-by-game basis in the regular season, it definitely makes things much, much tougher. We're speaking with Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio host Aaron Torres with an underscore in the middle on Twitter. You mentioned the NCAA tournament. Stay right there because this is something that always intrigues me at this point in the year. When you look at surprises, there's always one team Every year come March. Last year it was St. Peter's. The year before that it was Oral Roberts. Uh, With being just over a month away before the start of conference tournament play, who would you currently say is your so-called favorite team to watch when it comes to making a deep run in the tournament? Well, you know, I I don't think it's – you know, it's a surprise. You know, first of all, I'll say right in your guys' backyard, I think Creighton, and I said this the other day after they beat Xavier, I think they're going to be completely misseeded. And, you know, I saw them on their trip yeah. out to Vegas this, this uh, you know, back in December where, you know, you, you, first of all, they played a brutal schedule. I mean, you guys know, but they played, they went straight from Maui to Austin, um, you know, three games in Maui to Austin. They come home for one game, and then they go out to Vegas for two games, and then they have their Big East tournament op- or Big East opener on the road. So, I mean, you have seven. A seven eight game stretch that's just brutal, but you lose six in a row, four of them without Ryan Kalkbrenner. So the record doesn't look good, but I think they're playing like a top fifteen team in the country right now. So they're one um, that's not ranked, and they probably shouldn't be ranked. But you know, I said it the other day. I think they'll probably end up in that six seven eight range and just be a team that absolutely nobody wants to play. Um, and then you know, it's a team that I know. Um, they're in the top 10 right now, so it's hard to be like, oh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're going to make a surprise run. But, you know, I do think Kansas State, I think because it's a first-year head coach, because it's a bunch of players who weren't there, uh, I think people kind of has, has, have hesitations about them. I actually feel like it's the opposite. They, they have two, I think, really bona fide stars in Marquise Noel and, and Keontae Johnson, two guys that can get you a basket when, when you need it, something that in March, you know, there's just going to be moments where you just need a player to take over, and they have two guys that can do that. And they do have players themselves on that roster with tournament experience. Desi Sills was part of Arkansas's Elite Eight team. Keontae Johnson has played tournament games before. So I know, you know, nobody – you can't call a top-ten team a surprise team or a dark horse team or whatever, but I do think there's something to them being, oh, you know – you know, they're a great regular season story, but can they do it in March? First year head coach. Sometimes those teams flame out. I don't think Kansas State is built like that. Let me ask you along those lines of maybe an off the radar team, because I typically I think they're overvalued and the Penny Hardaway factor sometimes reigns supreme with how he's recruited. But this year, I actually think they're kind of flying under the radar. The metrics don't always love them, but Kendrick Davis is arguably the best player in the country not enough hoop heads talk about uh, especially when I watch all the hype with Mitchell last night in Texas I'm like he's not even the best freshman <laughs> on the floor but neither neither here nor there let me stay right there with Memphis is this finally a year where we because we've been burned they're not getting kind of their due or is this a team that you still think is built on flaws 
Well, no, I, I actually agree with you on them. You know, and it's been talked about if, if you watch Memphis at all, like what I'm about to say is not a unique or original take. But, you know, Penny Hardaway, when he first got to Memphis, he said NBA background, we're going to be almost like an NBA, you know, minor league team, kind of like what Kentucky's done, what Duke has done, all that. And then he realized, like, hey, it's really hard to, to get 18-year-olds to, to play at the highest level. Um, you know, it's really hard. You know, obviously when you have elite recruits, there's a lot of noise around them, you know, whether it's NBA draft stuff, whether it's agents, whether it's handlers, whether it's whatever. And this year he almost went the exact opposite. I mean, they have, I, I would guess, I don't know if this is for sure, but I would guess the oldest team in college basketball where I think all five of their starters are either grad transfers, fifth-year seniors, or fourth-year seniors. It was funny, I, I flipped on their game the other day, and they said they, their five starters are seniors or above. Yep. And I said, I didn't know you could go above a senior. I didn't know, I, maybe I missed something. That, you know, maybe we're re, we're, we, we've changed how we're classifying people. So, you know, we're talking 23, 24, 25-year-old grown men in that, in that lineup, especially because so many of these kids still have that COVID year available to them. And so I do think they're another team that's a great, great question on them is that I think because they don't have that flashy one-and-done top 10 type pick on the roster like they have in the past, that they're probably getting a little bit overlooked. But I do think they're a really, really, really good team. Speaking of another age team, a team with a lot of familiarity is FAU. And uh, it started with Charleston. Now it's the Owls as the team that's kind of like, whoa, here they are. Watch these guys now. They can play basketball. But will the Owls end up being too good to be labeled a Cinderella team come the tournament? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that tends to happen sometimes, guys, and I know you know this, but, like, you know, a team is so good that, you know, they get seated as a – and, I, I you know, I, just for the record, I don't tend to look at a ton of bracketology this time of year because stuff changes so much. So that's not a knock to Joe Lenardi or anybody who works really hard on that stuff. So I don't know where FIU is bracketed, but, you know, it, it, it sounds counterintuitive, but in some cases you sometimes get, like, a tougher draw the better you are, right? So I actually think, like, Memphis is a great example of that last year is, you know, they, they by the end of the year they were playing like a top – frankly, like a top – 10 top 12 type team. I think there were metrics with Memphis last year where they were like the uh, a top five team in the country over the final month of the season. They end up playing their way all the way to the 8-9 seed line, which sounds like a great thing. Then all of a sudden they had to play Gonzaga in round two. And so, again, I, I haven't looked at a ton of um, bracketology in terms of where Florida Atlantic would be, um, but you start to look at a team like that. If, if they all of a sudden get on the 8-9 line um, – just as an example, you got to play an, a, a number one in round two, or you 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 get you get up to a seven seed and you're playing a two seed in round two. Where sometimes you know you end up on that twelve line. Yeah, you got to play a five, but you're playing a five and a four, which are two fringe top twenty five teams to get to a Sweet Sixteen. So you know FAU it has been a great story. Dusty May's obviously done an incredible job with that group. Um, but to your guys' point, I think it's a great question. Is sometimes you can be too good for your own good uh, during the regular season. And I'll be curious to see if that's reflected when the bracket ultimately comes out here in a couple weeks. Aaron, let me ask you about a team who the metrics like, even though they're only 6-3 and three against quad one teams. They're led by a freshman. Uh, and I'll get your thoughts on Brandon Miller here in a second. And maybe it's me, so I'm willing to have you talk me through this. Their style of play lowers my trust level, <laughs> even though mm -hmm. the numbers say they got a chance to be pretty good. 
Is it fair or foul that Alabama's style of play lends itself to being not a very trustworthy team late in March? Well, I think the difference this year with Alabama, and I keep saying this, and if anyone's ever heard me in a different interview, I apologize because I've said this for about a month now, guys, is that, you know, I think because Nate Oates is kind of known as the new age, three spacing, you know, shots at the rim kind of guy, um, that, you know, I, I think because he's that guy, he's known as that guy. Um, I don't think people realize Alabama is playing great defense this year. They're, they're an elite defensive team, according to the numbers, uh, great rebounding team, great shot blocking team. And those are the kinds of things that translate to March. Now, my concern with them is you look at, at Alabama is that three of their top four scorers are freshmen. Um, and they're, they're, the fourth guy in that top four is a transfer from the MAC. And so you guys know how March is. You get in a one-and-done setting, everybody could say they're ready, this, that, the other thing, but until you're there, it just makes it really, really, really tough. So, you know, the style of play doesn't bother me as much, guys. I, I don't think they're as reliant on three-point shooting as they have been in the past. You know, this year especially, they're, they're great at the rim with, with Noah Clowney and some of the big guys down low. But you put a, a starting lineup that at times, or really a rotation that has four freshmen and a transfer who's never played in the NCAA tournament out there, um, you know, they're going to look really great some nights. And then, you know, what do they do when they're in that one point game, one possession game with under a minute to go? I think they're one of the more fascinating teams to follow because I think as, as good as they are, I could also see them flaming out early because they're just so young, talented, 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 but really young. You know, keeping it in line with Bama here, we ask ourselves every week, if there's another team that's in Tier 1A next to Purdue, and recently it was Alabama, and most weeks we have an answer. Um, but after that loss to Oklahoma, it almost, as, it almost seems as if Purdue is finally standing alone. That's not to say that you don't see another team up there. And if you do, uh, tell me, because I, I would like to know if there's another team that you would pool in the mix of 1A, that top team in all of college basketball, truly above everyone else, or if it's just Purdue. No, I think it's just Purdue right now. And even mm -hmm. Purdue, I mean, you know, listen, the Big Ten's a grind. Um, I know they don't always perform well in the tournament, the, the Big Ten as a whole, but that's a really tough conference to, uh, you know, to go on the road and win games in. I mean, I was talking to Robbie Hummel about this yesterday on his show, but, you know, this isn't – and listen, I live in Pac-12 country. I love Pac-12 country, but you guys know the Big Ten. I mean, Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin – uh, you know, Purdue, Indiana. I mean, you're talking about 10, 12, 15, 18,000 people every single night when you walk in a road venue. So I want to give Purdue the, the, the credit they deserve. But even them, you know, two freshman guards in their lineup, that concerns me a little bit as well. Um, you know, the team that, guys, I'm, I'm starting to get intrigued by, but you know, they have, a, they have a history of certainly letting us down is, is the Tennessee Volunteers, and I'll tell you why. It's because, you know, they, they, they check all the boxes. First of all, great win against Texas the other night. They check all the boxes of older, veteran, been there before. But then also on top of that, you know, they really, you know, they're, they're ranked whatever they are, fourth, fifth in the country this year. They are really now just starting to get healthy, right? So they beat Texas the other night. They have a kid named Olivier Kongwa has 22 yeah. points. He tore his ACL around this time last year and is just now getting back to who he was, averaging about you know double figures at this time last year. 
uh, Josiah Jordan James is is a, a fourth year senior that's just getting back healthy after missing about six weeks to start the season. So you know Tennessee is intriguing to me as a potential upper upper tier team, but they're also a team that's never done it before, right? Like it's hard to to say like this is a team I feel great about penciling in to go to the Final Four when literally they've never been to the Final Four in school history. So you know they're one that I think could get there, but again, you know how excited can you be when they've never done it? But, 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 you know, I do think right now it's Purdue. But even Purdue, like I said, freshman guards, great story. Um, but even them I have some questions about in the bigger picture. Yeah, let me ask you, because you are in Pac-12 country, and they, they drive me crazy because they make these runs and the personnel is <laughs> relatively the same. But then I watch them against Arizona and I watch them against SC, and I'm like, why does UCLA drive me crazy? They got all – I, seemingly all the parts. I, I'm hoping Tiger Campbell settles into the role that they're going to utilize him. And I know Cronin wants him to score more. He hasn't played as many minutes. But when you look at UCLA, or maybe I just ask you about the Pac-12 as a whole, who's the best team in the Pac-12? It's a great question. I don't think there's an obvious answer. Well, I, I do think there's an obvious answer. I do think it's UCLA. Okay. Which, again, speaks to this college basketball season because UCLA is currently on a two-game losing streak to the two best teams at the conference, right? They lost, you know, at Arizona a few Saturdays ago and then at USC the other night. Um, I I still think it's UCLA, but what I will say about UCLA, and we we just talked about injuries with Tennessee and and this and that, is that – you know, they have a freshman named Amari Bailey. Um, I, I think he's kind of important to what they do because, you know, they, they have guys that can get the job done kind of in the, the, the half court and in the, the, the you know, in the, the flow of a game. But again, it comes down to sometimes in March, you just need to go a guy that can go get you a basket. And I still think he's that kid that can do that, Amari Bailey, the, the freshman who's been kind of in and out of the lineup. And so I'm still a believer in them. They're another one that check a lot of boxes, veteran team, guys that have obviously had tournament success. You mentioned Tiger Campbell is a veteran guard who's just been in so many big games. Jaime Jaquez has been in so many big games. But I do worry about, you know, I, I do just want to see them get healthy before I get too excited. And then also, they, you know, they kind of got to start winning some of these games, yeah. right? I mean, they, they obviously, they lost they're probably their two biggest out-of-conference games. And as I said, they've lost their two biggest in-conference games so far this year. But they're one that's very intriguing to me. I would say I actually think Arizona's a little bit more frustrating to me because they're another one. They can go on a 14 nothing run and look like the best team in the country. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's a two-point game, you know, against Washington State or Oregon or something with two minutes to go. So I think the Pac-12, I think there's a lot of question marks there. But I would also say, you know, and I think it's the theme of the conversation, guys. I think there's a lot of question marks basically across all of college basketball right now. Got about two and a half minutes here, Aaron. I want to ask you about a team in the Big East not named Creighton because Creighton started the year as the preseason favorite and then they kind of dropped off. But then there was a team that was at the the bottom of the pack to start the year and uh, they've just been continued, continuing to rise over and over and over again this year. And that's Marquette. They were preseason ranked ninth finishing ninth in the Big East, and now what are they, like 14th in the nation? They're an offensive machine. The big knock on them was they lost their key leading scorers from last year coming into this year. But what is it about this team that makes them so special, so good this year? You guys are asking a lot of great questions, and and they're one of the teams, they're one of my just favorite teams to just watch in general – Listen, guys, it's cliche, and if you hear people talk about college basketball and Marquette specifically, but, you know, Shaka Smart goes to Texas, and, 
you know, he had great success at VCU, goes to Texas, and, and listen, guys, I know you guys talk a lot of football. We know it's just it's a little different in Texas. You know, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. There's a lot of people uh, that maybe don't have a ton of experience running a program telling you how, that you, how you should be running your program. And so, you know, he kind of was essentially forced out of there. Um, you know, he wasn't fired, but, but he kind of actively just kind of looked for another job. And I just think he got a fresh start where he's able to do it his way. Sign the guys that he wants to, to sign, play the style that he wants to play. And they're just fully bought in. And they play so hard on both ends of the court. I think I said this, but they're one of my favorite teams to just watch in general. And they're not filled with, with five stars, but they put so much pressure on you defensively, so much pressure on you when they have the ball offensively. Um, and they're one that I'm, I'm really, really intrigued by because, you know, last year they got off to a really hot start, and then by, by this time they started to flame out a little bit. They're one that, you know, maybe isn't on the radar of people right now, but, you know, would it surprise me if they ended up uh, as a two or a three seed and making a deep run? They, it wouldn't. Um, again, I, I just want to see it because last year they kind of were on a similar trajectory and flamed out, but they're one of the best stories, and I think what it comes down to is, you know, the cliche in college sports of, having the right coach and a bunch of guys that believe in what he wants to do as a head coach, everybody's aligned in that program. Aaron, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. We need to talk again soon. No problem, fellas. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your patience. Sorry about the technical difficulties early, but excited about it. Hey, thanks for working with us. We appreciate you. Scott Ritchie up next.